listening to Dear Reader, a book talk show featuring chatty librarians bringing you reading recommendations and a whole lot of book loving. I'm Justine Hanna, here with my fellow librarian and bibliophile Natalie Mason, and we're coming to you from Melbourne Library Service. Hi Justine. Hi Natalie, lovely to see you today. Oh, you look lovely as well. Oh, you're wearing my favourite green. Because, <gasps> <laughs> you know, there's multiple kinds of green. I know, but I was yeah. just trying to think, how do we describe green? How would you describe green? I totally... would describe it as emerald. Okay. Uh-huh. That's... Emerald. It's Wizard of Oz green. It's Wizard of it Oz is green. Wizard of Oz green. Well. <laughs> you have birdies on your shirt. I do. I do. <laughs> it's a menagerie in here, as usual. As usual. Today we are talking about books that we haven't finished reading yet. It's not because we're lazy or because we have other things to do, but it's because we both tend to read many books at the one time and flick between them. So we thought today's show would focus on what it's like to be in the middle of a couple of books at the same time, how we switch between them, how easy or difficult that can be sometimes, and how we choose what we want to read at any given moment and what we think might be in store for us because Mm. we haven't finished them, so there are still twists and turns ahead. We hope anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's not because we haven't got other things to do, though, as well, like I know that when I get really, really busy, as much as I love reading and as much as it is a release, often it does get pushed aside a little bit. And that's that's actually partly why I start going and dipping into multiple books at one time rather than getting sucked into the one um, and just following that through to the finish. So, that's exactly it because there are different books for different times. And different brain spaces. Yes. Let's yes. talk about that today. Okay. We can do that, but before we get started, we want to remind you that we'd love to hear what you're in the middle of reading, dear listeners. So do tweet us at Library. that's at M-E-L-B-L-I-B-R-A-R-Y with the hashtag Dear Reader, and you can download Dear Reader episodes at SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for Melbourne Library Service and subscribing. And all the books that we talk about today on the show will be listed in our show notes on our Goodreads page, and you can find that on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au on the read page. All right, Justine, what is your first half-read book for today? (laughs) Well, it's actually um, the second and I believe the final um, in a series. The first was The Wrath and the Dawn by Renee, and it's by Renee Ardia. And I did mention that it was something that I had just started uh, reading or was about to start reading, I think, on a previous episode. And this particular book is called The Rose and the Dagger. I absolutely adored The Wrath and the Dawn and I was totally enthralled by it, so much so that I didn't click that there was a second book coming until like the last three or four pages. And I was like, hang on, they're not going to finish. Oh, no. And I have actually waited ages because clearly other people loved the first book as well. So I've had to wait for the second book because, you know, borrowing from the library. Um, so The Rose and the Dagger by Renee Ardia. It's starting out really, really well. Um, so I, I'm not, I don't want to give too much away in case people haven't read the first one. But essentially, it's a take on the Arabian Nights, um, the, the, the beautiful Arabian Nights story, um, uh, but is a YA take, young adult take. Uh, and so, yes, it's it's a bit similar. Like there's a lot that you as a reader can recognise from that traditional tale, but um, it does go in slightly different directions. The writing's fabulous. And so far, so far in this second book, The, um, the Rose and the Dagger, the writing is just as good. The characters are just as well realised. And um, there seems to be at the moment a few different directions that I wasn't expecting it to take. So, um, yeah, it's really hard because it's the second and I don't really want to give too much away. Um, but basically, Shazad and the Caliph, um, who she once thought was a monster, um, have been separated and uh, their curse is still there. And I'm just really trying hard not to give anything away. Um, but basically, 
she's a fabulous, fabulous heroine, and she's just a wonderfully well drawn character. And I'm really excited to find out how it's going to end. I'm not, I'm not actually not sure how they're going to get back together. I know that they must. I mean, it's a, it's a romantic tale and based on the Arabian Nights, so we kind of know vaguely how it's going to end. But along the way, I fully expect some twists and turns. And yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's um, it's one of those books that I. I read when, yeah, things are getting a little bit too much and I want a little bit lighthearted. I do kind of know what's going to happen a little bit because it is based on that traditional tale. So I guess that's why, even though I am really enjoying it, I haven't raced through it. I sort of pick it up when I need that bit of a break, bit of a less literary perhaps, but really fun and interesting read. Does that make sense? Yes. That's good. (laughs) Well, Natalie, what's your first (laughs) half-finished book for today? I am currently reading The Animators by Carla Rae Whitaker. I am flipping out over this book. Awesome. I have that at home. It's so good. I'm 200 pages in, about halfway, I think, and I feel like it's talking to me. Awesome. Like it's that good. Um, It's about Sharon and Mel. They meet at art college and they bond over their shared love of comics and cartoons and animation. So they're super nerds and I just, I'm at home, right? So the book follows their friendship from that very first meeting at college to them working as business partners. And they make this animated film together, which starts to get a lot of sort of, uh, it starts to win awards and it gains the attention of mainstream press. So they get a lot of attention, but with a lot of that attention comes inevitable pressure. And the book, about 100 pages in, comes to this kind of showdown, which looks very much like their friendship will end somehow. I thought, well, what are they going to do for the next 300 pages of the book? Like if they if they break up at this point, like where does it go? But something else happens and it takes them on a completely different path and I really didn't see it coming and now I still have no idea what's going to happen because I'm only halfway through and at this point I'm thinking, how will they rebuild everything and what will they do next? Um, the heart of this book is the friendship between Sharon and Mel and I can only assume the book will follow them further into their careers and their personal uh, trials and tribulations. There's been a trial, childhood trauma hinted at for Sharon but not explored yet, so it's possible that we'll learn more about that. But Mel's childhood trauma has kind of been mined. It was the subject that they used for this animation that they put together. So I'm thinking, well, perhaps they will do the same then for Sharon, kind of mine her mm. childhood and use that as an inspiration for their next animated feature, which which is, will be highly anticipated if they ever get back to work. And I just, I'm assuming they will, but look, the writing is sassy and it's smart and it's funny and it's an absolute joy to read. And I can't wait for the tram ride home so I can catch up with them. That is when I spend my time with Sharon and Mel. Isn't that tram? That's such a great thing, isn't it, about the commute where you can actually dive into those worlds and those characters and you know it's coming and you can look forward to it. Yes. And if you want to know what I read before bed, stay tuned. That's my next review. Uh You see, there's a book for every occasion. (laughs) Uh, What is your next? Next half read book. Well, this is an interesting one. This is The Last Painting of Sarah DeVos by Dominic Smith. Oh boy, is that an interesting one. You've read it? Oh, I have. Mm. Actually, I listened to the audiobook. So, yes, okay. I read it. Yeah, it's all I, reading. It's I all did, reading. I did listen to it. It's been compared to Tracy Chevalier's Girl with a Pearl Earring and Donna Tartt's The Goldfinch. Um, and I've heard a lot of conflicting reports about it. It's basically about uh, sort of bridges historical and contemporary um, environments, um, a female Dutch painter of the Golden Age and a celebrated Australian art historian who painted a forgery forgery of uh, the Dutch painter's painting in her youth. Um, And so there's about um, 300 years in between. It's, look, I like it, but I'm a little... I'm a little bored by it at the moment. And I I wonder if that is just because 
I'm really busy and it hasn't just grabbed me and it hasn't made me really want to come back to the characters just yet. And we have spent a little bit too much time so far in the first half, I think, with the, um, the Australian contemporary artist and she's a little bit, I'm finding her a bit whiny and a little bit like she's a recluse and she doesn't need to be. Um, and I just, yeah, I really wanted to spend more time with the, the you know, the female Dutch painter um, 300 years ago in 1631 um, and we haven't really had that much time yet together. But I will get back into it. I, um, yeah, it's one of those ones that I'm happy that I've started reading, but I'm also okay with it not grabbing me yet because I have too many other things I want to do and too many books in my pile. So it can just wait. And I did have a similar experience with another book where I put it down and then finally went back to it and absolutely loved it. So I'm hoping that that's the case here. But from your expression today, I'm not sure that that is going to be the case. <laughs> yeah, my face is doing gymnastics trying to express how I feel about that book. The book is full of problems. It starts at a party. Is that right? Uh, yeah, well, With yeah. the caterers and they're on a balcony and then the, and then the painting is switched. Is that right? Is that the same book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so listening to that, walking to the tram stop, being on the tram, I was totally engrossed in that whole kind of art scene um, and that, that opening scene is fantastic. It's fun, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the rest of the book is just problems. Mm. I had all the problems in the world with that <laughs> book and I made it to the end and I don't regret it but I would never recommend it because I found it so problematic. Ah, well. It's like a thing that happens mm. and then everyone's like, oh, it's okay that that thing happened. And I am so not okay that that thing mm. happened that no, no, please. Well, isn't that funny? It's kind of made me want to start reading it. Again. Yes. <laughs> I would like to discuss it with you, but we have a no spoilers policy on we Dear do. Reader. We do, we do, we which do. Which is tricky when we're halfway through the book. We don't I actually know. know what the spoilers are going to be, I but know. I know that spoiler and I'm not telling. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the thing is that um, the main character in present day, you know, uh, time, Ellie Shipley, she's just not grabbing me. I would much rather read about the the Dutch painter Sarah DeVos, and I know there's a bit more coming about her as well. Um, but yeah, it's um, look, we'll see, we'll see what happens, and then we can we can chat to our hearts' content. I'm here for you. <laughs> but yeah, hearing your uh, your not so uh, loving review of it does make me want to read it again. How funny! Well, put it this way, I haven't reviewed it for Dear Reader, and I tend to review my favourite books. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that telling? Although well, this episode is not necessarily our favourites because who knows whether we're going to well, love these that books That is true. It's really interesting, you know, like I said, yeah, I have no idea where it's going. So now, before bedtime. Do you want to know what I, I read before I bed? I really, really do. Oh, line up. Everybody <laughs> wants to know the answer to that question. Um, <laughs> before bed, I like to read The Beekeeper's Apprentice or On the Segregation of the Queen by Laurie R. King. Another one that I have on my pile at home. Oh, well, let me tell you what I know about it thus far. Okay. The blurb reads as like this. A chance meeting with a Sussex beekeeper turns into a pivotal personal transformation when 15-year-old <laughs> Mary Russell discovers that the beekeeper is the reclusive retired detective Sherlock Holmes who soon takes on the role of her mentor and teacher. So you've got this 15-year-old girl, orphan, running through the moors somewhere in England, like just you, you absolutely stereotypical story that's set at that time. Um, and she runs into this old man who just happens to be Sherlock Holmes and she's at a loss of what to do. She's inherited all this money from her parents who passed away. She grew up in America. She's been sent to England to live with her awful, vile aunt who is in control of all her money until she turns 18 and so she's just a bit of a lackey and so she runs around skipping on the moors reading some 
advanced poetry for her age and uh, (laughs) Sherlock Holmes decides, hey, we can be buddies. So, look, there's a little bit of weirdness. We are talking a much older gentleman and a very young woman. So I can tell you where it goes, though, because I've read the titles. There are 17 books in this series. Wow. That's exciting. I like a series. Why and I like knowing that there's not just two or three, that there's a whole yeah, lot for me I to reckon dive into. This is, this is probably more for you than for me. But <laughs> this book was, rec- or this series was recommended to me by a member of my Any Book Book Club. And so that's a club that meets at my library and we talk about what we're currently reading. And so somebody talked about having read this series and her review was absolutely captivating. And I kept thinking, that's amazing because then she'll kill Sherlock Holmes and she'll be the next great detective <laughs> and she'll take oh. over the legacy and it'll be great and that's fantastic. But, um, yeah, it's not quite going like that. But someone else in the book club started reading it as well and they came to the next meeting and said, I've read the first book and I'm totally captivated and now I'm reading the next one as well. So I thought, I want to be in that gang. They're really good people. Like, I want to belong <laughs> there. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure if, I'm, if they're going to accept me having only read half of the first one. But I really want to love it. It's very comfortable. It's mm. a very comfortable read. There's nothing controversial other than where this relationship is going to go. And as I said, I already know. Um, so look, I don't. It doesn't jump into my head. I don't wish I was reading it at any given moment in my life. But it is often what I'll choose to read before bed because the pace is kind of perfect for slowing down after a long day. Mm. Um, but there you go. There you have it. Yeah, it definitely. Um, it's been something I've had recommended to me as well. And I mean, I love Sherlock Holmes and I love detective fiction. So and I love strong female characters. Uh, so it kind of ticks all those boxes as far as I'm aware. But I'll be interested to hear what you say when you finished it and whether or not you're going to read the rest of the the other 16 books. I I just wanted it to be my new thing. Like my new comfort (laughs) read was like, let's read the next Mary Russell. Like I don't want to read anything else. I just want to curl up with this cosy crime. I do love a good cosy crime myself. Yes. Yes, I know you do. <laughs> Speaking well, of cozy crimes. Well, unfortunately. <laughs> um, is that a good segue? It's really not a good segue. Great. My next book has nothing to do with cozy crimes. Um, so the next book that I'm currently reading, and you know, there's actually more than three, but we only we, we, we tend to pick just three, <laughs> um, is called Landmarks by Robert McFarlane. And it's a non-fiction book and it's... Um, it's in our travel collection uh, here at the library. It's um, it's a book that was actually recommended to me uh, as part of Brooklyn Public Library Service's book match program in the States mm-hmm. when I was over there last year. And I finally got it. I mean, I, I've had it, you know, in my mind's eye for a while, but I finally got around to it. And it is stunning. It is um, basically the author, Robert McFarlane, has been collecting place words, uh, terms for aspects of landscape, nature and weather drawn from dozens of languages and dialects of Britain and Ireland. He's also been fascinated between uh, by the connections between literature and landscape. And he's also engaged a lot with writers that have paid close attention to the natural world. So this is his fifth book. And in this, he basically explores the linguistic and literary terrain um, of Britain and Ireland. Um, it's a book about the power of language mm. to shape our sense of place. It's re- I think you'd actually really like it, Natalie. Mm. It's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it, there's just there's so many lines here that I could actually read out. Um, it's well, go on, read to me. Oh, <laughs> go on. oh well, I, I haven't planned to, but it's there's just so many. For, for example, metamorphosis and shapeshifting, magnification, miniaturization, cabinets of curiosity, crystallization, hollows and dens, archives, wonder, views from above. These are among the images and tropes that recur. 
The chapters here do not together tell the story of a single journey or quest, but all are fascinated by the same questions concerning the mutual relations of place, language and spirit, how we landmark and how we are landmarked. Well, that's a written sentence, isn't it, it really? Is. It's quite written. It is. <laughs> Very written. Um, but yeah, I do like a cabinet of curiosity, however. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I try and keep my curiosity in a cabinet. And there's like a dictionary. There's You're glossary. flicking through it. Yeah, it looks like yeah a there's glossaries throughout them and there's okay. postscripts. And, All right, I'm into it. I love words. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. It's, uh, it's basically like a meditation on walking and writing. Um, it's just, I, I love it so far. It is, um, it's, it's something because of the way it is separated and uh, the different chapters with the glossaries and, and all the different sort of um, styles in, in it. Uh, you, you don't read it all, you can read it all the way through, of course, but it's easy to not read it all the way through and just to pick it back up when I'm feeling like uh, something completely different. And yeah, yeah I'm really enjoying it so far. Uh, I, I, apparently there's a, a surprise in the postscript. I'm not, I'm, I'm resisting <laughs> just flicking straight to it to find out what it is. Ooh, uh. I know, right? Who does that? So, um, yeah, Landmarks by Robert McFarlane. I'm really, really uh, enjoying just um, dipping in and out and taking a deep dive into landscapes and language. I like it. Mm. There's probably birds in there as well. I'd really like it then. <laughs> Woodland critters. No cats as far as I know so far, though. That's okay. All of my, all of the animals are my favourite animals, Aww. except for the t- two cats that I live with. They're my most favourite animals, well, but so all of be. the other animals are also my favourites. <laughs> what about you, Natalie? What's your last currently reading book? Oh, this is so exciting. Um, it's The Secret History of Twin Peaks by Mark Frost. Mm. Do you want to know what happened? I do. Okay. So I was in the library putting books away on the shelf because that's our job. It's part of our job. It's, it is. <laughs> and I came across this book, The Secret History of Twin Peaks by Mark Frost, and I thought, well, that's not fiction. He's the co-creator of the TV show. That's a non-fiction book. He's writing about his own TV show. What is that doing there? So I pulled it off the shelf. I cannot tell you how long I stood there reading this book <laughs> in the middle of the library. Perks of the job. Oh, but, you know, we're supposed to tell people we don't read all day. That's not <laughs> what we do. But part of that day was reading. Wow. My gosh. I was completely captivated. So Mark Frost is the co-creator of Twin Peaks with um, David Lynch. He also created Hill Street Blues. Mm -hmm. Interesting fact, unrelated. (laughs) So the book is a dossier that's been found in a location by the FBI and they had to use several um, like bolt-cutting devices to cut the locks off so it could be opened. Um, And it is a collection. It appeals to the librarian in many of us, I'm sure. It's a collection of documents that have been found and annotated. So you've got annotations from the person who found it and put and compiled it. It's in chronological order. Um, And it starts with Lewis and Clark exploring America in the very early 1800s. And it ends when the final episode of the second series ends. So it is like a total refresh on the entire series with more information. It does get a little woo we all know Twin Peaks. If you know Twin Peaks, you know it gets a little woo, little UFO, little supernatural, little unexplained phenomena. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things we love most about David Lynch is just what on earth is that <laughs> is, is going on right now. And as long as you're okay with not knowing, you're a fan of Twin Peaks, really. It's the perfect thing to bring me up to speed before season three launches in a couple of weeks. I think it's early June. Um, and I can read faster than I can watch TV. <laughs> So I'm kind of taking the shortcut to season three by um, by kind of trawling through these documents um, rather than rewatching 
all two seasons. I'm going to watch a bit. Are you a Twin Peaks person? I I missed it. I'd love to have been. Where were you? I don't know. Clearly not in front of the TV. Mm. Probably my nose in a book, actually. Yeah. Um, Well, yeah. Yeah, I've always liked the concept of Twin Peaks and I just never, never got to it. So maybe I'll have to do that or maybe I will just read this book. I love how you were. No, 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 no. You're watching it. Oh, okay. This is for, you have to, you can't read this book until you've seen it. Oh, controversial. It's a rule. <laughs> I just made it up. Okay. I love how you started talking about that book as though it were nonfiction. It had to be, but of course <laughs> the TV show's fic. I just thought it was more about how they made. Mm. I mean, it's called The Secret History Of, so I thought it was more about the making of the TV show and where the idea came from and what it was like to work with David Lynch and, you know, mm. I, th- I just thought it was going to be more insight into the making of, but it's actually more of the same story but told in a completely different way. And as I said, it's essentially a, an archive that spans 200 years w- full of all of these incredible um, uh, primary sources. Like they've, they've found, well, I mean, it's fiction, right? But there are documents <laughs> in here that are not in uh, t- Thomas Jefferson's um, notebooks and some um, excerpts from the Lewis and Clark journals that have never been published before. And it just all points to the woo. Mm. Love I, a bit of woo. I, 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 I fictional like fictional. Fictional woo, I can go there. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Woo's not fact. So have you finished it? No. Are you kidding? (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm curious as to what time of day is the time that you choose to read this book. Any minute I can find. (laughs) Sometimes... Some, while you were doing your reviews earlier, I oh, was really? reading it. Yes, oh, really? any minute I can find, <laughs> I will open this book. And it's beautiful because you don't have to read it in chronological order. It's not, and because it's a narrative I'm familiar with. I mean, I have no idea what this kind of Lewis and Clark stuff has to do yet. I'm not quite sure where it fits in. But there's also really beautiful images um, of Audrey Horn. You know Audrey, don't you? No. No. Okay. <laughs> All right then. Um, well, someone will know who I'm talking about. But there's really beautiful photos from the TV show in there as well of some of my favourite characters. Cool. Mm-hmm. I like that. <sighs> when a book makes you sort of relive uh, something that you've really enjoyed in the past. Yeah. That gives you new stuff as well. I think that's important. I mean, comfort reading is one thing and I do enjoy a good comfort read, but when you can be also like getting new information and, yeah, those sort of behind-the-scenes stuff, it's pretty cool. Totally. And I haven't seen the TV show since I watched it in 1990. One mm. on VHS at many sleepovers, mm. many sleepovers, season <laughs> one. And I just was young and my brain was very spongy um, and able to absorb all of the woo. It's like, wow, <laughs> this is amazing. I mean, we have to remember, this is the thing that I think uh, we forget sometimes, is that the t- this, this whole show is based around the death of a 15-year-old girl, which is oh. a horrible thing. You, you know this, right? I knew that there was a death. I didn't realise she was 15. She was wrapped in plastic? I think I knew you that know as well. That bit. Yeah. Right. So there's this horrible, brutal crime at the centre of it. And then it becomes this entertaining television show that spans two seasons and how excited am I that there's a third one. Mm. But I think um, sometimes the, f- the fact that our so much of our entertainment is based on like horrific instances is something not to be forgotten. Mm, so true. Mm. So true indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so my soapbox is gone now. <laughs> I fell off it. 
Shall we continue? Yes, we should. We should definitely continue. I would ask you what you're reading next, but uh, I I can see what you're currently reading. That's probably enough. To be honest, I do have something that I'm also... (laughs) Well, I have so many books. I have a pile at work and I have a pile at home and both of them are almost as tall as I am. Oh, no, that's not true, but they're close. They're probably as tall as I am. (laughs) But I'm super excited uh, and um, Coulson Whitehead is uh, coming to Australia and coming to Melbourne and he's... Uh, in next week, actually. Oh, oh my you gosh. just looked at your watch. I was like, and he'll be here in five <laughs> seconds. My watch has the date on it. Oh, right. uh, he'll be here next week and I'm going to be seeing him next Wednesday night. So I have the Underground Railroad uh, to read, which I'm sure everybody knows is is uh, the one a big book at the, of the moment. And, uh, yes, I'm, I'm going to probably start that on the weekend. So hopefully I can get some of these ones finished before then and, uh, and yeah, dive into into the Underground Railroad by Coulson Whitehead. And, yay, I actually bought that one too. So I'm, I'm going to see him. So... You know, signing. <laughs> I like it when authors sign books. Don't laugh. <laughs> it's the rock star of publishing. Yes. Rock star moment. Um, I have recently finished reading Lincoln in the Bardo by George mm. Saunders. Oh, my goodness. Also on my pile. <laughs> Cannot wait to review that one. Um, and I'm going to see him speak this weekend too. And I'm going to see Roxane Gay next week. Cool. I'm going to see Ivan Coyote, who oh, I've I know you fawned love. over yes. before. Ivan's speaking in a couple of weeks as well. Um, yeah, there's lots of really good authors in Melbourne at the moment mm-hmm. um, who are in Australia for the Sydney Writers' Festival, yes. which is an incredible program. Good golly, Miss Molly. Indeed. So, yes, I've taken oh. advantage of all of the authors who are coming to Melbourne. I love Sounds Writers' Festival. Sounds like festivals. you've done the same too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's our show. You can read our show notes, including a list of the books we haven't finished yet on our Goodreads page, which you can find on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au and on the Read page. We'd also love you to tell us what you're still reading or ask us for a recommendation of what you should start reading. You can tweet us at Melb Library, that's M-E-L-B-L-A-B-R-A-R-Y, with the hashtag Dear Reader, or join the conversation on Goodreads. Don't forget you can subscribe and download Dear Reader episodes at iTunes. Just search for Melbourne Library Service and our fabulous faces will pop up at you. Indeed they will. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And if you like what you're hearing on Dear Reader, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes. It does help others to find out about the show and it gives us the nice warm fuzzies. The wonderful music on our program is by Ben Mason. Check out more of his music at www.benmason.com.au. And as always, until next time, Dear Reader, thanks for listening.